0: Love, talk, radio. Welcome, welcome to episode 20 of the No Look Past podcast presented to you by wrspn.com. We want to thank you for tuning in. You could be listening to anything in the world, but you're here with us, and we appreciate that. I am your host, Frank Santos, a.k.a. my mom's favorite son, who is mildly concerned that Andy is talking himself into Brandon Jennings' value. I uh, am speaking of that, i got my co-host, Andy Flint. Flint, what's good?
1: And your suspicions have been confirmed, my friend.
0: Yeah, so let's let's begin with that because when the Pistons, which we're gonna get into the Pistons because that's our team for this week, the Pistons and the Magic made a trade, uh, Brandon Jennings and Ursan Elias Silva for Tobias Harris. I was a little concerned because you went dark. My man Andy was nowhere to be found. He just went into a dungeon for two days, and then all of a sudden, two days later, he started tweeting about how Brandon Jennings is a you know good fit on the team, and I was like, oh man, he really had like a heart-to-heart conversation with himself. In the mirror for two days, like Eight Mile M M&M style, before he had that mom spaghetti moment.
1: Listen, it's hard, man, because I I found as I've gotten older in age that my you know it's good to think about some of these things for a while with when you, especially when your favorite team makes like a semi major trade. I mean. Money wise, it's a huge trade, but I, I did. I, I sat for a couple of days and I thought about it because initially, all you see and you still see it to this day, they were just talking about it on MTV earlier. Everybody, you know, if the general consensus was the Magic lost the trade. I mean, right. the things I looked at were were the value. I mean, we're talking we're talking a guy who's going to make seventeen million dollars next year at Tobias Harrison, he's only getting thirteen points a game on a team that's below five hundred. And usually, you know, a scorer is going to score better than that, but you know. I think the the thing, what Orlando loses is also what they gain in playing time for their younger guys. I mean, you have to eventually make a decision on a guy. And I think Harris, being that he was the the breadwinner of the bunch, he got the X. But I think Brandon Jennings, if if nothing else, will provide – 13 points a game, right? I mean, that's that's what the guy does is puts the ball in the basket. And I think getting him away from having to play Shabazz Napier is, is really a godsend as well. So that that's where I got my value from the trade, and I don't mind it at all.
0: Yeah, so we're going to get into what it does for the Pistons as well, because that that is one of our topics for, for this week. But we are going to start, as always, with the outlet pass, which, as everybody knows, is the first pass in a fast break. So that's why we start off with the first pass of our show. While in the unibrow, Anthony Davis, uh, Andy, dropped an inconceivable 59-20 game this week against our Pistons, uh, which according to 538.com, is the third 50-20 game since 1983, joining only Shaq and Chris Webber. Did you watch? And more importantly, what does this mean for the brow? Woo! I, and, you know,
1: I didn't watch. I have since watched the game because, obviously, we were watching the Pistons anyways. Um, and right. You know. but I I feel like Anthony, this couldn't have come at a better time for Anthony Davis because while he's averaging 24 and 10 this year, everybody has kind of, you know, been down on Davis a little bit given that he was like the number one projected fantasy player in most leagues. He was, you know, The Pelicans were supposed to make the playoffs this year. Davis was going to kind of break out. He was, you know, one of the featured guys on 2K along with uh, Steph Curry. His star was rising. And then he kind of has just been having a good season, but nothing great. And then, bam, 59 and 20 in your face. He did it from everywhere. You know, I almost expected to watch the game and just see Davis just out, you know, out-athleting everyone, dunking. No, man, he was step-back jumper. He made some threes, at least one or two. Um, he was just making moves and, and working the ball and doing it in all sorts of different ways. Back to the basket, sometimes face up. It was just brilliant, and I think he's matured a ton. And maybe this is what we'll see moving forward after the break from him.
0: Yeah, uh, absolutely. And Davis, as you may remember, was my preseason MVP pick. So I was all in on the unibrow bomber for, for sure. Uh, i got to tell you, I've watched more Pelicans games, and I'm proud to say, and Davis, to me, has been part of the problem to a degree for, for the Pelicans, so I've been really disappointed in him. Um, he seems over-reliant on that jumper, which obviously when it's going like it was the other night, like you're saying, it, it is a, a tool to be utilized, but I do feel like he is over-reliant. Like, the guy is six six eleven, seven foot tall, however tall he is. He's, he's very tall, let's put it that way. He can do more than, than shoot 18-footers and 3-pointers, and he's just not comfortable in his game yet. But that's also our fault and, and me included, you know, we say this all the time or I say this all the time and I'm a victim of my own criticism. We don't allow guys to be great or to get great. We just anoint them great and we crowned them. We crowned Anthony Davis before the season. We said he's the MVP, he's the third best player in the league. Oh man, we couldn't we couldn't hop off quick enough, you know what I mean? Uh we just expect them to be great all of a sudden. And I was listening to Bill Simmons talk about uh, Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and had the same thoughts in his critique, which was basically, you know, if these guys are so good, why aren't the Timberwolves winning games? And my response is the same. And also that, you know, Durant and Westbrook won 23 games in their first season together, and we can safely say that they're not a half bad tandem now. So I think Anthony Davis, young guys, and I, you bring up this point all the time because you always talk about guys' as age, and I'm never in that conversation. Like, every time you say somebody's age, it always surprises me how young they are because I guess I'm a victim of, like I said, a victim of my own thing. And I never realize like, how young these guys are and how much time they still have to, to build. And I think we need to give Davis time. But in saying that, it, it definitely has been a disappointing season for him.
1: But if his game, if his game can – Consistently, I mean, it doesn't need to consistently be fifty-nine points a game, but if it can consistently model what he, the things he was doing the other night, because I don't know if you watched him doing that little. Well, you said you've watched a ton of Pelicans games, so you've seen it. He does that little step back when that goes right. in, you can't guard it. It's it, it's like as bad as Kevin Durant. I mean, there's just so much length. And he just gets – it's quick. He's That's the thing about Anthony Davis is I, I have noticed the improved guard skills. The things that were kind of advertised with Davis when he came out of out of college and everybody was like, well, I've never really seen him dribbling like that and taking jumpers off the dribble. But it was right. – he was advertised that way. And now you're seeing some of these things. And I think, you know, he's 22 years old. We're talking about high drop ages and there's his age. 22 years old. When he's 25, 26, if his game – Looks anything like what it looked during that game in spurts? I mean, he's he's going to be beyond hard to guard.
0: Yeah, and you know the whole thing with him coming out of school and what you know, even when he was at Kentucky, was that he was one of these guys where he was a guard and then he had a growth spurt. And I think in doing that, people expect him to have handles like Kyrie Irving for some reason. Maybe that's an extreme example, but they expect him to have the handles of a guard, but you have to remember, even though he was a guard, he still is not a guard anymore, so you have to have realistic expectations for what that means in a guy's game, and it's going to be an element of his game, but it's not necessarily his game, because he is not a guard, he is a forward, and even though he was a guard in his past, in ninth grade, that doesn't mean, first of all, he was being a guard against ninth grade competition, which he was probably dominating, because nobody was going to guard Anthony Davis, whether he was five foot ten or six foot ten. But we are going to move on. Uh, while you were watching TNT, we were watching the Detroit Pistons, and, you know, we had an extended look at them, you know, since we started before the break. But I'm going only post-All-Star break because of the trade, so I think you can kind of scrap what happened, you know, the the game before the All-Star break. So in saying that, they had a 1-2 and two work week, losses at Washington, which was a disappointing loss to me, the aforementioned Anthony Davis-Monster game loss against the Pelicans, and then an impressive win last night against the Cleveland Cavaliers that snapped a five game overall losing streak. Andy Flint, how many Detroit Pistons games did you watch?
1: I watched uh both the I watched the Pelicans game and the Cavaliers game. Um
0: they played Denver before the All Star break. I don't know if you watched that or want to talk about it, feel free. But what were your impressions of the uh of the Detroit Pistons? And beforehand we gotta go with the with the best arena intro. Detroit. we were talking about the Pistons and not getting that in. So, Andy, what were your impressions of the Pistons?
1: I mean, the the Cavs game was what I need to see from the Pistons, and I know that that's easy to say, and it's not even necessarily that they got the win. It was the way they played basketball. They played defense. I think if you look at the five-game skid they had before that, they were giving up over 100 points in every game. I see 112, 103, 103, 111. There was one game they didn't give up 100 points, and that was to the Wizards, who don't mind if they don't score 100 points. Anyways, I think they can play that way. And I think Tobias Harris, as much as I kind of was throwing him under the bus earlier, it was all about his money. I do like his game. I do like what he brings to the Pistons. I think he's a stand Van Gundy guy. You know, a little a little problem uh, for Tobias' career so far has been, is he a three or is he a four? Stan Van Gundy, we all know, doesn't mind not knowing. He'll just use him in both places. He'll use him with uh, Marcus Morris, which is kind of weird and brilliant at the same time. I am still concerned with Tobias' contract for Detroit long term, but I think that that's great. I think Andre Drummond's game is coming together, his offense. He's another young guy that we're starting to anoint because of his rebounds, but his offense has looked better as the season has aged.
0: Yeah, so I instantly, I had basketball love at first sight with the Reggie Jackson, KCP, Marcus Morris, Tobias Harris, Andre Drummond starting five which is what they started last night against the, against the Cavaliers. I don't even know if it works, like you're saying, because I feel like Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris are literally the same player. Like, I feel like they do the exact same things. But I want more of it. It's like when you go to Taco Bell and you just know you're going to regret it later. But that doesn't stop you from getting two quesadillas. You know what I mean? <laughs> because you just want them then. You want them you You worried about the consequences later. So Stan Van Gundy was just like, I'm just going to throw these guys out here. It's like your typical small ball lineup. It's, it's exactly what you think of. And I think the... The big thing in the trade, and why I'm disappointed that the Hunus trade didn't go through, obviously, with the failed physical. Um, if you don't know the story, then just look it up. Basically, there was a trade. Monahunis failed the physical, and they avoided the trade. But that's another piece that's just your typical Stan Van Gundy vision for this team, where you just see like all 2009 Orlando Magic in this lineup with Hunis and Tobias Harris and Marcus Morris, just all these guys surrounded by Andre Drummond, who's going to protect the paint on the defensive end. And just get those offensive rebounds on the offensive end. So, what, what did you think about that starting five?
1: I mean, it's kind of exactly what I expected. I, it's 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 almost funny, as in it's like it's almost like uh, I think uh, the term "idiot savant" comes to mind because it's like one of those things where it seems really goofy, and it's but it it almost works. It was actually kind of similar to when you played the Morris twins together. Right. You, I mean, obviously, Mark Keith's a bit bigger than the uh, Marcus and Tobias, but it's like the same kind of idea. A couple of guys who could really switch almost on everything, being that neither of them can play defense. And but they both <laughs> shoot jumpers and they're both, you know, like six, eight, six, nine kind of big, bigger body type guys. And I think actually Tobias Harris has to wear that white headband so you can tell the two of them apart. Um I, I don't know. I, I, I feel the same way as you did. It was, like, very ingenious, and you wanted to watch it, but it was almost like a car wreck at the same time. You can't take your eyes away because it's it's scary and it's crazy. But, I mean, it, something worked.
0: Yeah, I like how you got the benefit from an insult. You said, oh, yeah, you can switch anything, which is great, because they both suck. So <laughs> but the other thing I wanted to say was, that the Andre Drummond-Reggie Jackson pick-and-roll to me is the mecca of pick and rolls in 2016. Sorry, you're going to have to move over Chris Paul and DeAndre Jordan. First of all, Andre Drummond is better than DeAndre Jordan. I just want to throw that out there. We can talk about that if you want. And Chris Paul, you're just kind of old now. Yeah, I'm just throwing shade all over the place. But I'm just saying that the Reggie Jackson-Andre Drummond pick-and-roll is my favorite pick-and-roll, and I don't even think there's a close second at this point. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think Any the, thoughts?
1: the the Reggie Reggie Jackson, aside from the the pick and roll with Dre, he he just looks comfortable, and I think that was kind of always one of those things in OKC, where you know he didn't know where his minutes necessarily were going to come through or come from, so he was just pedal to the metal. You know, that was kind of OKC style anyways, but, you know, he knew he had to fill the cup when he had the opportunity. And I think now that he's comfortable and especially since, you know, he was clearly the guy over Brandon Jennings and even more so now that Jennings is gone. I think, you know, Reggie Jackson has become really comfortable at being this team's point guard and obviously having that. Andre Drummond is the biggest dude I've ever seen. He's he's a huge guy. Like, you just see him, he'll catch and spin move, and he just, like, sends guys to the floor. Between him and DeMarcus Cousins, I don't know who the scariest guy is to be on the other side of their spin move.
0: Yeah, so speaking of Brandon Jennings, because I want to get a little bit into the trade in the sense that can we, is there a reason why we didn't get Reggie Jackson a backup point guard when we traded Brandon Jennings? We just have Steve. Steve Flake isn't even past his prime. Steve Flake never even had a prime. So he's he's just like, when I, I I watch Donald Sloan and Shane Larkin play point guard 48 minutes a game, and I've even noticed that you're bad. So that means you're bad. Like, if I can actively notice that you're bad, and I watch Donald Sloan and Shane Larkin every single night of my life, then you're, you're just horrible. So Steve Blake, I'm just like hating on everybody, and I love this distance know That's the worst part about it, but I'm just like throwing shade all over the place, but How do we not have a backup point guard for Reggie Jackson? You don't think that's going to be important? What do you think about this? Don't you think they should have backup?
1: Well, I think they were I think Stan was trying to kinda of get a variation of a backup point guard because he wanted uh Evan Fournier is the rumor in the deal with Tobias Harris somewhere. I don't know where they couldn't come to terms on that. Uh Fournier's kinda of, Fournier's kind of a like the guard version of Fido Turgoloo almost, so that would have been great for Stan Van Gundy would have been having him bring up the ball. He probably would have been like, Reggie, sit down, we're putting Evan in, he's gonna start a point today. But I, I do think it's a little odd and I mean, Orlando probably had a guy or two, you know, somebody they could have given up in there, whether it be the greatest backup. I mean, you could have had Shabazz Napier maybe. I mean, you need something. Um,
0: Shabazz Napier's fine. That that would have been fine with that. Perfectly fine with Shabazz Napier.
1: It's weird. It's very odd. I don't know. It's it's Stan Van Gundy. I don't know. He does what he wants.
0: So two main things I noticed about this team, like overall trends that I I saw in studying their overall season, not only this week's game, uh, their overall health. Uh, is is astounding their core five to this point without Harris obviously because he just got there which was Reggie Jackson, Drummond, Morris, KCP, and Stanley Johnson the rookie have missed a combined six games so that's huge where you can have that core unit all together for most of the games and four of those six games were KCP so and then the other thing obviously that that you've referenced is Andre Drummond and his offensive rebounding is in particular, is just incredible. He's going on his third consecutive season leading the league in that category and currently has 82 more offensive rebounds than DeAndre Jordan, who is second on the list. He has 282 offensive rebounds to DeAndre's 200. So that, that's a huge that's a huge opportunity. They get so many extra shots, which is why they're one of the league leaders in field goal oh. attempts. And th- do you notice anything else about Drummond's game aside from the rebounding, or do you want to touch on the rebounding a little bit? Go for it.
1: I just think the thing I like with Drummond the most is he's <laughs> – his mold is rare in today's league. We've lost the traditional big guys, and he's just one of those mountains of a player on the court. And it, it's refreshing to see every once in a while, you know, a guy who's who's going to work. And that's what you're talking about, the offensive rebounding category. That's all just his size and work. And, you, again, you don't have a lot of these big guys anymore. So it's, it's, it's fun to see, you know, a, a more traditional type player left in the league.
0: Sure, absolutely. The death of the big man has been – Really, a storyline throughout the league, especially with the Warriors going small. So it's it's nice to see the big guys, like the little ones that are remaining, kind of kind of still do their thing. Like you know, we're talking about Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins, which are both like your your new big guy because they can stretch the floor and they don't you know they don't really get down and dirty like like a guy like Andre Drummond does. So like you're saying, it, it's it's nice to know that there's still those kind of guys that maybe a Shaquille O'Neal would appreciate. So I'm going to go to my elephant in the room question. Feel free to answer it and then chime in on anything else you wanted to say, Pistons related. Because my my elephant in the room question is is easy. Simply put, are they good? Because I have no idea whether this team is good or not. I just enjoy watching them.
1: You know, I don't I don't know. I I think they're good. The real question I guess would be, are they good enough? And in the East this year, it's weird. So I I I almost don't know what to say. I I think at this point. I think they're going to be just good enough. It's a little hard. I mean, incorporating Harris still into this offense has got to take something because while I talked about how he only averages about 13 points a game, he is scoring is his strong suit. So I always feel like it's hard to try to work a scorer into an offense, uh, especially halfway through the season. But, yeah, I think they're good. I don't know about how good, though. That's a cop out Yeah, I
0: agree. We're going to move on. I just want to shout out the homie Stan Van Gundy, who literally got to Detroit and just started cleaning house, and all of a sudden Detroit just turned into the Wizard of Oz, and my man, Stan Van Gundy, just turned the door.
1: Why? People come and go so quickly here.
0: That's right. I got a Wizard of Oz reference you want. So we're going to move on. Uh, We want to discuss possible second-half teams because, as we know, we got into the quote-unquote second half of the NBA season, even though we're a little further than that, but Typically when the All-Star break is over, that's what we consider the second half of the season. So like Dave Chappelle once told white people about juice, surprise, mother... You know where I'm going. So we're going to call this segment Surprise, mother... And we are going to go with surprise second-half teams of the NBA season. Andy, who is your surprise team?
1: My surprise second-half team is going to be something we were just touching on. And this is surprise. Like, we're going big or going home here. I think that after it's all said and done, the New Orleans Pelicans are going to make a real tough run for that eight seed in the West.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Even though they start, like, I, I don't even know what the – Pelican starting lineup is when Anthony Davis was in the lineup for that, that game, but it was horrible because Ryan Anderson and Drew Holiday both come <laughs> off the bench, which are arguably their second and third best players, but the rest of the guys, the starting lineup, I remember seeing it like on the screen. It was it was horrific.
1: And Drew, Drew going,
0: Holiday's been spectacular
1: as of late, too.
0: Yeah, I, I mean... Any any reason why? Just just because Anthony Davis is one of the best players I, in the league and, I and think and because it.
1: of the combination of Anthony Davis is coming around. Uh holiday's still on the minute restriction, but we're we're getting closer. He's been playing phenomenal basketball. I think the key for him kinda of might be Tyreek Evans out. Um Ryan Anderson, you know, obviously didn't move. I think that, you know, we're we're they're in trouble. I mean, you're talking a team who's like six and a half games away from the Rockets who could move Actually, the Rockets and Jazz might change spots tonight, but uh, you know they're they're about six and a half games from there. They've got the time to make it up. I think they they might be clicking at the right time. I mean, I'm taking a risk on a team that's five and five in their last ten games. I, I'm gonna believe. I'm a believer.
0: Yeah. So you believe in Dante Cunningham and Omirashi? I mean, it, it, there's no. So, I mean, Dante him. Cunningham <laughs> is
1: from Villanova. Yeah, I believe in him.
0: That's right. Oh no, that's your that's your voice. Uh, I am also going with a team that is currently pretty low in the standings, and I'm taking a similar risk because I think it's a team in another in the in the other conference that might make a run at the A C. That is the Milwaukee Bucks, who, as okay. you know, I was high on in the preseason and have not quite uh, come to fruition because of Michael Carter Williams. And I mean, that's like my sole reason for anything that that happens with the Milwaukee Bucks is just because of Michael Carter Williams. And Jabari Parker is having the sophomore surge instead of the sophomore slump, and this, the team. I mean, I think they're really coming together. They won four of their last five, and I wouldn't be surprised to see them hover into the 500 zone. They'd have to go about 18 and 8 in in the final in their final 20, what 26, 27 games in order to do it. And I don't think they'll get the seed, but I think with five games remaining, we'll sort of have oh, wow, look at those Milwaukee Bucks. You know, maybe next season they're going to capitalize on this. So any. Uh Any thoughts about maybe the Milwaukee Bucks making a run here? You think I'm crazy?
1: The only thought I really have is I think it's hilarious that you picked the 12 seed in the East. I picked the 11 seed in the West. My team is six and a half games out of the eighth. Yours is six games out of the eighth. And we both aren't quite sure they'll make the playoffs, but make a push. I think we're sharing a brain tonight.
0: Yeah, we and we did not discuss this. We don't really discuss much of anything that the other person is going to say before the show. We just kind of we, – we discuss general topics, and then we all come with our own thoughts, which is why I insult Andy live on air at the beginning of the show, just to see how he's going to feel, and just to see how, it, how it's going to come out on, in uh, live radio. So I'm going to freestyle really quick because we have a little bit of extra time, and this is something that I was initially going to talk about, and we kind of went with Anthony Davis instead. But I just want to get your general thoughts on the Warriors because there's been a lot of, you know, they're 50-5 now, uh, and there's been obviously all season there's been talk, but now that it's more towards possibly going to happen, do you think that they can break the Bulls record and even possibly go for 90 wins in the season, which they would have to go 74-8 and eight in the regular season and then win the championship? Do you think that can happen?
1: Mm. No, I, I, no, I don't, I still don't think they're going to break the Bulls record. I think because now is the, the time of the year and I know Steph Curry's got to be pretty fresh because he sits out like more fourth quarters than we've had games so far this season. But I mean, yeah. I, I, I still think it's hard because I think now is going to be the time where I think the, the other, not only are, you might wear down a little bit, but I think this is when the other teams start playing harder. Um, And I I feel like that Trailblazers game a little bit – I mean, I know Lillard went nuts, but, like, the Trailblazers kind of, oddly enough, played like the Warriors that game and at their pace. And I I think there's there's some teams – teams are evolving, and they're a bit behind the Warriors. But I think some of these teams are going to be able to start getting into long-haul games with these guys and shooting and keeping up some pace. And, I mean, it's not very many games to lose. So I, I just – nothing against the Warriors. I think they're terrific, and they're still the favorites at this point. But they're that, – that's that's a hard record for me to see happening.
0: Yeah, I, I tend to agree. I mean, I think – I'm going to go right on the fence here. I honestly think that they tie the record. I think they go – they they tie the record and they win the title. That, that is my current state of mind because I don't think anybody really – I mean, many people have discussed this. I'm not not breaking any ground here. But the trade deadline, I think the big story was nobody really did anything that's going to challenge the Warriors. But I think the big one was the deadline with the Warriors because it's not like other contenders made a move where the Warriors were actually worried that their 50 5 regular season was just not going to work out in the playoffs because other teams just leaped over them or came closer to what they're doing. But in saying that, I mean, I mean, Steph Curry is just shimmying his way to the MVP. and on greens is just, you know, in people's faces. And I think this team really wants the record. I think they take pride in it. I think all season we have seen that, that it's not just, you know, a trophy for them to put up on their vault. It's something that they really, really want. It seems like since the beginning of the season, they were eyeing this record as soon as maybe the streak got to, you know, 15 or 20 games. It, it seemed like at that point they said, okay, we're going to go for this. And I think that's where what you're saying May not be as big of a deal in the sense that it's usually later in the season when you're the one seed you got a clinch you kind of you know you take your 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 foot off the bed a little bit and these teams that are fighting for playoff spots all of a sudden want to just hear their Super Bowl so and they're fighting for playoff spots so then they become better than you in the sense that they want it more but I don't think that's going to happen to the score of your team so that's why I think they might not lose as many games because of that as as maybe you're saying um, any other any other thoughts? before we move
1: on to our final segment, your favorite segment? No, I'm good, I'm good. I spoke my piece.
0: All right. All right, so this is our new final segment of the show. We are going with, uh, do you need more people? Because every week in the NBA, there is somebody that is just completely out of pocket that needs too many people, and we don't even have enough people for them. Andy, who who needed more people this week?
1: Uh, it's the Washington Wizards as a team, as a record label, and as a mother crew. For trading for Marquise Morris, what are you guys doing? Your The season's kind of titanic for them from the start. I mean, they're supposed to be probably no worse than a top-five seed. They currently sit 10th at 25 and 29. And I know Keith has some value as a player, and he's probably actually one of the kind of players that the, the Wizards are missing, you know, a nice, reliable stretch for I just don't see it. The dude's nuts and I I don't see him getting along with the personalities of John Wall and Bradley Beal. I I think it's a disaster.
0: Yeah, that's, that's on the uh, stipulation that Bradley Beal is actually on the court. Yo, question with Well,
1: we don't believe you. You need more people.
0: My, my version is, I I don't even want to say it. Like I, I wrote it down, but I'm kind of ashamed that I wrote it down. And I'm just going to go with it because it's,
1: Going to watch Frank Santos, Milwaukee Bucks again. We
0: <laughs> did, did we watch the Bucks already?
1: Yeah, we watched uh, the Bucks already. I think I think we watched two or three teams twice.
0: I, I think this is the first duplication. Andy Flint is just breaking the rules. I <laughs> mean, does not care. So obviously, with what I'm saying, no, I we already watched to the
1: Pistons watch. once.
0: No, yeah, yeah, you. Not in true. fact,
1: you picked the, twist, the Pistons twice, I think, at the towards the beginning of the season.
0: No, no, that didn't happen. Check the file. Uh, I'm going to check the I'm, file. I'm and checking and the I'm file. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's going to happen. But I am obviously excited to watch the Bucks next week, considering I picked them to make the playoffs. Do you have any general impressions of what you think we're going to see? Because we got a little little over two minutes left, so quick, give a give an impression. Maybe have you watched the Bucks? You know, earlier this season, and how many Bucks games have you watched, and
1: why'd you pick them? I've watched some Bucks games. I'm actually most excited to see. I mean, I do like to watch uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo, obviously everybody does. I'm really most excited to watch Jabari Parker. I can't lie. I, I think uh, you were talking a little bit earlier about how he's kind of having this the opposite of the sophomore slump, which I don't know if he really had enough of his first season to really have the slump now, but I think he's clicking and he's a, a fun player to watch. So I, I just, they're exciting even when they lose.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'm excited to watch my man, Chris Middle. We'll I all over in the preseason and probably is still the best player in the league, we'll probably get into that next week. But that is our show for today. We want to thank you for tuning in. You can join us next week. Uh, we may be back at our usual time. Sometimes we just freeze down to wherever we want. But uh, join us next week, regardless, whenever we come on to continue our journey around the NBA. We'll close, as we always do, with the great philosopher case and White Chocolate Williams. But once probably thought basketball is a lot like last book. Sometimes it's better to pass without looking for